Following is a class given by His Holiness Jaya Pataka Swami Maharaj on July 31st, 1991 in Desh. The class begins with a reading from the Bhagavad Gita, chapter 2, verse 57. Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Narayanam Namaskritya Narangchaiva Narotamam Deving Saraswating Vyasam Tato Jayamudi Ajit Mukakaroti Vachalang Pumulangayate Giring Aki Patamahang Bande Sigur Nilatarilang Punumanam Humanum Shri Chaitanishwanam Ya Sarvatrana Vishnehas Tattattapya Subhasubam Nabhinandati Nadveshti Tasya Pragya Pratishtita Ya Sarvatrana Vishnehas Tattattapya Subhasubam Nabhinandati Nadveshti Tasya Pragya Pratishtitaha Translation Word by word Ya One who Sarvatra Everywhere Anabishneha Without affection Tat That Tat That Prapya, achieving, subha, good, asubam, evil, na, never, avinandati, praises, na, never, dveshti, envies, tasya, his, pragya, perfect knowledge, Pratishtita, fixed. Translation. In the material world, one who is unaffected by whatever good or evil he may obtain, neither praising it nor despising it, is firmly fixed in perfect knowledge. Translation with repetition. In the material world, one who is unaffected by whatever good or evil he may obtain, 
neither praising it, nor despising it, is firmly fixed in perfect knowledge, purport. There is always some upheaval in the material world, which may be good or evil. One who is not agitated by such material upheavals, who is unaffected by good and evil, is to be understood to be fixed in Krishna consciousness. As long as one is in the material world, there is always the possibility of good and evil. Because this world is full of duality, but one who is fixed in Krishna consciousness is not affected by good and evil because he is simply concerned with Krishna, who is all good absolute. Such consciousness in Krishna situates one in a perfect transcendental position called Technically, Samadhi. Thus ends the Bhaktivedanta Swami translation in purport. Text 57, Chapter 2, Bhagavad Gita, as it is, contents of the Gita summarized, spoken in Muscat, 550th year of our Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, on the 31st of July. Jnana, Vigyana, knowledge, theoretical knowledge, and the applied practical knowledge. So here's an example of how a Krishna conscious person, a God conscious person, is situated. This may sound harsh, cold. Here, sarvatra anavishneha. Sneha means affection. Here it's describing a person who is anavishneha. Anavi sneha. Without affection. It's unusual. Why would a person be glorified for being without affection? We have to understand. Without affection for what? Tat tat prapya. Whatever he may receive, prapya, whatever may come to him in his life, Suva asubam. Good or evil. The duality in the material world of good and bad is described by Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Ebhalo e mando sab moner brahma. This is good, this is evil. This is all a concoction of the mind, the bewilderment 
or confusion of the mind. What in human society is considered good, what is considered bad, and what is considered good on the absolute platform are two different dimensions, are two different levels. Srila Prabhupada, when he was driving to Mayapur, we were in the car with him, with our founder, Acharya. One day he was looking at the beautiful picture of Krishna and Balaram standing in Vrindavan. And he asked everyone that Krishna is standing with his hand on Balaram's shoulder. Balaram is sustaining all the universes, Vaikuntha, material, Brahmandas, all the planets. So who is more powerful? Balaram, the elder brother, or Krishna, the younger brother? Anyone knows? Any other opinions? So, so somebody in the car said, oh, Balaram must be more powerful. He's the older brother or something. They gave some reason. He's holding all the universes up. But, uh, Balaram had his hand on Krishna's shoulder. Actually, I said it reversed before. Balaram had his hand on Krishna's shoulder. So Prabhupada said, yes, but Krishna is holding up Balaram. That actually Balaram is expansion of Krishna. So Krishna is Adi Purusha. Govindam Adi Purusham Amahang Bajami Ishwaraha Paramaha Krishna Satchit Anandarigaha Anadi Adi Govindam Sarva Karana Karanam Krishna is the original. Balaram is the first expansion, Swayam Prakash. Krishna is the all powerful. But Balaram is also not different than Krishna. So he has also the same power. But still Krishna is considered more powerful. Bhagavan has so many forms. Each of the forms has got the same transcendental or similar transcendental power. Just like from one light, you can light another Deepam or another Deepam. But the first Deepam is not reduced. So Krishna expands, it's like that. Each light has got the power like the first light, except one is original. So that original is special. So Prabhupada was explaining that in this world there's good and there's evil. The devas and the asuras. So this battle is between good and evil. Sometimes the good overcomes. Sometimes the evil overcomes. 
So this is a constant struggle between the powers of good and the powers of evil. Krishna and Balaram are above good and evil in the material world. They're transcendental. But the good people, the devas, they're always praying to Vishnu for protection, for help, for blessings. And the asuras, they say there's no God. There's no need of blessings. Our own power, our own physical strength is all that counts. So Krishna reciprocates, he's neutral actually. He reciprocates. The devas, they want Krishna's help, he gives them help. The asuras say there's no God. So they're ignoring Krishna, so he also ignores them. So actually Krishna is not taking sides, but he is reciprocating according to each. One that says there's no God, so for him, alright, so for you I don't exist. And one is saying, no, there's God, we want your blessing, so for him, he helps. But sometimes, even then the evil overcomes the good because the good may be careless or there's some other. But Krishna is actually transcendental. In this material world, what we consider good is punya, suba. That means good according to the Vedas. There's four punya results, good birth, good education, good income, wealth, sriya, suta, good birth, good children, aishwarya, Wealth, Sri, Sutta, Ishwarya, and Vidya. The absence of these is bad karma result. All these things are also temporary. They're not uh, eternal. They're not absolute. Someone may have wealth, but he may not be happy. Someone may have knowledge, but he may be a bad character. Someone may have be born in a good family, but still has to face misfortunes. So there are many dualities in the material world. The devotee is not attached to the good or the bad of the material world. He remains equal. Sometimes there's a misfortune comes. People become frustrated, they jump out of windows, they commit suicide, they burn themselves with petrol. They become so uh, attached to a particular idea that when it they're not able to achieve it, they're so frustrated they want to kill themselves. Or they become drunkards, or it's all very bad. Because of too much affection or too much attachment for something, they can't achieve it, they're frustrated. Or someone may be very attached to getting something, so then instead of following the normal legal way, out of greed, he breaks the law, he may get caught, He has to suffer the reactions of karma. So the devotee 
remains equal to this good and bad. Therefore they do their honest activities, avoiding activities uh, dictated by affection for good or evil. If they get good fortune, they accept this is Krishna's mercy. Not that we throw away. If someone has a good fortune of any of these uh, suva things, he uses for Krishna, maintains himself healthily, body, a comfortable way, and engages in God-conscious activity, serving Krishna. If some misfortune comes, he realizes that this is also from the previous karmas. He doesn't become hopeless, doesn't become despondent, depressed. He knows that after time this will also change. He doesn't hate it, he takes it. This is also a test, this is also a purification. By Krishna's mercy I can see that, from this I can see the temporary nature of this material world. Sometimes if we only have the subha, then we won't think about going to Krishna. You'll think this world is so nice, why should I become self-realized? And we'll forget that uh, there's hospitals and there's death and that we're not going to have to leave this body. We Now you may have a very nice birth. You may be enjoying the good reactions, your subha karma. Because first one gets subha karma reaction. Then subsequently you get the asuba karma. So everyone in the material world, they like the suba. No one likes the asuba. Just like in Bahrain, one of our devotees is in the emergency world. So he has plenty of customers that come. Although Bahrain is a small island, I mentioned before, I think, same place. But they have many car accidents. Although there are not many roads, they go there and then they end up in emergency room. So even in mixed suba, there's a suba. I personally had to be in the hospital in 1989 due to the incident. So you could see. When the people die in the hospital, people are dying every minute. They close all the doors and they quickly remove the body, no one can see. They don't want to depress the people. So you think that there's no death. This is the Western plan. But in India, there are not so many hospitals in the village, in the country. I live in the country in Mayapur. Many times people die in the village. Everyone dies. So they take their dead body to the Ganges River. We're living in the side of the Ganges. There they cremate the body. Do the final sasun rites. So everyone can see life and death before their eyes. But in the West people, they don't know so much, actually. It's all disguised. When someone dies, they pump him filled with formaldehyde and different juices and keep him for a few days in a <clears throat> preserved state. People come and see the dead body, then they put in the ground and that's it. You don't get the impression what is death. So if there's not some suffering, sometimes we may be too attached, we may be too, uh, take our life too for granted. And when a real problem comes, you see, just like in Kuwait, they were not expecting anything, all of a sudden uh, the Iraq attacked them and they were thrown into a hellish condition. 
We never know what's going to happen from one moment to the next. So if we are follow this principle of Bhagavad Gita, actually we become immunized. In a crisis of different kinds, we can keep an equilibrium. We can maintain our steady consciousness. Now how to achieve this consciousness? This is the very sanguine knowledge. Pragya Pratishtita because he's fixed in perfect knowledge. We get this perfect knowledge by reading Bhagavad Gita. Many people read the Bhagavad Gita but they cannot fully digest it. We can digest by mercy of Guru. We can digest by getting a spiritual appetite. That appetite comes from chanting Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Ram, Hare Ram, Ram Ram, Hare Hare. By performing the different sadhanas of bhakti. Savanam, kirtanam, smaranam, bandhanam, archanam, adasevanam, dasyam, sakyam, atma, nivedanam. We do the nine processes of devotional service. In this way we can very quickly awaken to our original Krishna consciousness. We can get this perfect knowledge. So it's a combination of hearing, also chanting, practicing. So, sometimes someone has a little knowledge. They become very proud. Sometimes someone has a little wealth. They become very proud. They think nothing can disturb them. There's a story once that there was a frog living in the pond. One day the frog, he jumped out on the side of the pond and there he found one coin. He found a fifty paisa piece, atana. Now, this was quite some time ago, so that time atana was more than it is today. Maybe that atana is worth 50 rupees today. Now rupees are not worth so much. So that frog thought that now I'm the richest frog in the world. What other frog has got so much money? Have you ever seen a frog with money? So he was very proud. So he was sitting on top of that 50 paisa and he was making that sound that the frogs make. What do you call it? Croaking. And he thought that now that I've become a very wealthy frog and I don't have anything to fear anymore because I have so much wealth, I'm going to teach that elephant a lesson. Every day the elephant comes down here, the king's raja's elephant, and he bathes in the pond here and he disturbs all us frogs. He doesn't appreciate our real value just uh, ignores us and comes in. Now that I'm the richest frog in the world, I'm going to just tie up this elephant and stop him from disturbing us in the pond. So when the Mahut came with the elephant in the morning to take him to bathe, 
in the large booklet, large uh, tank. So that frog sitting on his 55 piece, his eight anas, he told the elephant, you know, stop. Elephant could hardly pay any attention what the frog was croaking. And the frog in his anger jumped over to the elephant, hit his leg and then fell off near the elephant's leg. The next step, the elephant <laughs> foot came right on, ele- on the frog. Squish. End of the story. So, the moral of the story, of course, is we shouldn't get too proud, even if we have some material prosperity. In the material world, people, they get a little proud, they get a little uh, prosperity, they feel very proud, and they start to do things out of pride, forgetting that this life is temporary. And ultimately, Whatever power we have, it doesn't take anything to finish us off. I have one disciple working for Galtier. He said that uh, one uh, very big sheikh, he was in the first class and he was given a big meal of things we don't mention here in the Kapagda class. But uh, just by eating that food within a five-hour flight, the, the nearly the shaki died. When the plane arrived, they took him to the hospital, but he was already expired. So they did an autopsy. What happened? They found that he was filled with this sal- salmonella bacteria. They found that that food had become just pure salmonella bacteria. So they did a very big research on how that food became contaminated. They found that uh, one of the workers, he cut his finger and the blood had gone into that food. And microwave doesn't kill germs, really. So what happened was, it was just multiplying. That worker's blood was contaminated by salmonella. He cut his finger and somehow the blood went into the food and it became a germination of this bacteria. And uh, actually, they test the blood of all the workers now in welfare, try to avoid this. So, told me two weeks before the test, they all come and say, please teach us how to be vegetarian. Because when they're vegetarian, then all these bacteria automatically leave the blood. Such a pure... Diet. So they know when the test is coming for two weeks, they become vegetarian with it. They pass the test. After that, then they let their blood get contaminated again. Anyway, the point is, here is a person, he's sitting in the first class, in the comfort. There's nothing to worry about. Little does he know that the food is uh, poisonous. The person next to him is not poisoned. He's poisoned. So this is a danger, padang, padang, yadvi, padang, there's danger at every step. We don't know what danger awaits us. 
So even though someone may be very wealthy, that in itself is no protection. Wealthy people also face problems. It is protection to some extent. But we shouldn't be proud like the frog. There's, of course, many other things to get from this birth. The main thing is we should be God-conscious. That's the only way we can be transcendental, is to be above this whole three modes of material nature, of the goodness, the ignorance, and the passion, to be transcendental. That comes, Prabhupada explained, Krishna and Balaram, they are transcendental to the good and evil of the material world. And his devotees are also transcendental. Mangcha joga vicharina bhakti jogena sevate sagunan samaditai tang brahma bhuaya kalpate. By performing bhakti yoga, pure devotional service to Krishna, saguna tit. All of these gunas, one is atit, he's above it, he's transcendental to it. Brahma bhuaya kalpate. He's on the Brahma platform. The absolute platform. Being on the absolute platform, one is transcendental. So this happens very easily by devotional service. What great yogis, what great maharshis and rajasis had done in the past, now is very easily available by following this principle given by Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, by following this principle Bhagavad Gita, in this very simple manner adapted for the Kali Yuga. Kali Yuga Maya or disease is also a Kali Yuga medicine. Hare Nama, Hare Nama Iva, Hare Nama, Hare Nama, Hare Nama Iva, Kevalam, Kalova Nasteva, 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 Gatiram Yatha. Chant the holy names of Krishna, chant the holy names of Krishna, chant the holy names of Krishna. Names of Hari. Eva Kevalam. This is the only recommended process for this age. Nasteva, 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 Gatiram Yatha. There's no other way, no other way, no other way. No other. Why three times Nasteva, Nasteva, Nasteva? The Harinama is three times mentioned, giving it very great emphasis. If we say something three times, then we are giving a lot of emphasis. But why also negatively three times? Nasteva, Nasteva, Nasteva. You know that there's karma, there's jnana, and there's yoga, and there's bhakti. These are the four processes given in the Vedas for upliftment. But in this age of Kali, without chanting Hare Krishna, Nasteva, karma will not in itself be successful. Even you want to do Subha karma. In Kali Yuga, where is the question of Subha? There's so many Asubha things going on. People get wealth, they go and they, they go to the nightclub, they do so much, uh, simple activity. Because Kali Yuga is like that. So, there's no real Subha in the sense of karma, that you do karma, very difficult. Even if one tries to follow all the rules and regulations, it's very difficult. 
to do so. So karma is very difficult. Jnana, to do the Vedanta Sutra speculation, to study, to become a Shankaracharya, sannyasi, giving up the world and being a monk and just doing that type of sadhana is very difficult. How many can do that? And there's also no guarantee of success. Rastava Yoga. Where do you, how a person will do yoga? How can you meditate and do the Astanga Yoga system? Where is the peaceful place? Even now in Nepal they're cutting down all the forest where the yogis used to meditate, to make paper. So it's very... Plus who, where are the people they can go and live in the berries like before? Live in the forests? Is not that uh, very suitable for most of the people. Practically hardly anyone can do it. So this age is not very suitable for the karma, jnana or yoga. But with chanting, Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Ram, Hare Ram, Ram Ram, Hare Hare. Chanting the names of Hare is very easy to achieve all the perfections that one could have achieved by these other processes in other ages. In other ages, those were very suitable processes in time of Ramchandra, they could do fire yagnas. Before that, they're doing meditation. Time of Krishna, there are so many temples. But in this age, the process is Chanting the holy names. So sometimes when people hear these principles of bhakti, these bowing down, offering a flower, offering a fruit, offering water with tulasi, doing some simple services, they think, what is it? This is oversimplified. We have to do some high mental speculation or these are just the ABCs. There's also a story about that. One time, there was one widow. She had a son, about 11, 12 years old. So she wanted to give the best education for her son. But she herself was not very highly educated. She's just primary student. So she even borrowed some money and she was paying 100 rupees a month in order for a tutor, a teacher, to come and teach her boy. So one day she was cooking and listening, but she's listening, what is that teacher teaching the boy? So that day, he's about six standard, she's teaching ge- uh, geometry. So in geometry, teaching about a triangle. So the triangle is the three corners. A, B, C. You describe the sides by saying A, B, B, C, C, B, S, C, A. So the teacher was explaining this triangle A, B, C, and how you go A, B, and B, C, and C, A. And the mother is just listening. All she can hear is A, B, C, A, B, C, C, B, C, A. What's it? 
She said, what is this? I am paying a hundred rupees to a teacher to come and teach my boy. After he's already in sixth standard. And he's still teaching at ABC. She became very furious, came out and started shouting at him, you're fired, you're useless, what are you doing? I'm paying you a hundred rupees a month and you're teaching my son after six, seven years till you're teaching him ABC. You're fired, get out. You're wasting my time. Then he's trying to explain what, you know, but she won't hear. She's so angry, she's just furious. So what can he do? He closes the book. It's <laughs> he goes. So like that, sometimes the jnanis, they think, oh, what the bhaktas are saying, this is the ABC. They don't realize that these are higher principles. But even higher principles, you may refer to certain things which may sound that just superficial, if you don't go deep into it, it may sound, oh, this is ABC. But actually, the devotees know how to apply these principles for understanding the highest knowledge. Who is the Param Brahma? How do we relate with the Param Brahma, with the Supreme Personality of God and Bhagavan? What is our samandha relationship, our avideya, how we act in that relationship, prayojana, the purpose of life? All these things are very clearly uh, understood, practiced and achieved through the process of bhakti-yoga. But if someone sees, oh, what this person is doing, he's chanting on mala or something, he's thinking this is the ABCs. He doesn't realize, even if a person is sweeping the floor for Krishna, that actually he is not simply cleaning the floor, he's cleaning his heart. The whole process is meant to purify our consciousness, to make it fresh, make it realized. That is done by various activities, by purifying the consciousness, not just the activity itself, but the consciousness in which the activity is done. The great king Ambarish has to go and clean the temple floor. He's not in the same consciousness as some you hire a sweeper who cleans the floor. He's doing it out of bhakti, humbling himself before the Lord, knowing that all the power, all the knowledge, everything is coming from Krishna. We should make ourselves humble before Krishna, before God. In this way we can understand our real position, we can get the blessing of Krishna. The Lakshmis and the Vaikuntha Lokas, they're cleaning, cleaning the touchstones, sweeping, just to get the favor of Narayana. Not that there's much dirt in the spiritual world, you have to clean. They're doing it just to humble themselves before the Lord to get His attention. So someone may think, well, I'm not come to sweep or do these simple things, I'm a very learned person. But they don't know that this principle of bhakti is applying the knowledge. You may have the knowledge that God is great, I am a servant of God. Now you put that into practice, then you realize it. You get a deeper understanding. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was the greatest scholar, but he only wrote eight verses. Glorifying the holy names of Krishna. He wanted to concentrate on the essential aspect. But what he instructed his followers, they have written voluminous books, so many books. 
We have to get into it. Sometimes people, they think, well, I know what this is all about. It's like a fly, not a fly, but a bee. There was a bee once and he could smell honey in the bottle. So he came and he was flying all around the bottle, smelling the honey. He was trying to get to the honey, boom, boom. He was flying into the glass, but somehow he couldn't penetrate the glass, obviously. She's so getting a little dazed, keeping hitting the glass. So finally he just landed on the top of the bottle, on the lid. There he was sitting, smelling the honey. So he thought, sorry, tasted the honey. And then he was feeling very proud, I tasted the honey. Actually the bee was quite far from the honey. He's still smelling the honey. But in his illusion, finally he just thought, well, I've tasted it. He stopped trying to go anymore into the bottle. Sometimes people, they think that they know what is Krishna consciousness, or what is God consciousness, what is bhakti. But they actually haven't gone into it. They're just uh, fooling themselves because they've never really practice the principle of bhakti, not chanted, not uh, bowed down to Krishna, offered the food to Krishna, done the whole practice surrendering to Guru. They've just flown around the bottle, they couldn't penetrate, they got a little whiff of the honey smell, and at one point they thought, well, I know what honey is. But smelling honey and tasting honey is hell and heaven different. So bhakti, you have to open the bottle and go inside. You have to actually go into and taste the honey. You shouldn't be like the bee, just think, say, well, I tasted it. I know everything. I know all about it. Nobody knows about bhakti unless they've done it. He may be the greatest pundit. He may be Trivedi, Chaturvedi, everything. He can be Shankaracharya. He doesn't know what bhakti is. Unless you do the bhakti, unless you practice, nobody can realize what bhakti is. The great King Ambarish, he was doing all the practices of bhakti. Durvasa, he was a great yogi. He thought that, what is it? He's a grihasti, I'm a yogi. But in the end, he bowed down to Ambarish and said, you're greater than I am. I didn't realize that you are fully absorbed in the devotional service. The bhaktas transcend this false ego. But externally they appeared to be doing their ordinary activity. Ambarish was a king, he had children, he had family, he was running his kingdom, but he was going to temple and chanting and doing pujas and doing some simple service, hearing the Bhagavatam class. It didn't appear that he was an extraordinary person to uh, Dravasa Muni. But when Dravasa Muni wanted to kill him for and imagine the fence. Instead, the whole thing came back on Durvasa because Ambrish was so powerful by serving Krishna. So in the end, Durvasa said, actually, I can see that Bhakti, this has got a much greater power. I think you all know the story of Durvasa and Ambrish. From Bhagavat. 
we are trying to simply encourage people to take up the process of bhakti yoga. It's not difficult. Lord Chaitanya, he told people, don't give up your family life. Don't do any abrupt changes in your life. Wherever you are, whatever you're doing, you just do that. You add Krishna consciousness, you add the principles of bhakti yoga. Grihe thako, bone thako, sadahari bole thako. Whether someone's a brahmachari or whether someone's a grihasta or in the renounced order of life or in the family life, everyone should chant Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Ram, Hare Ram. Any question? Sit down and I'll give you a sweet. Well, it's a big question. Padma Purana mentions four sampradayas coming from Brahma, Lakshmi, Lord Shiva, and the four Kumara. We call Brahma Sampradaya, Sri Sampradaya, Kumara Sampradaya, and Rudra Sampradaya. In the Brahma Sampradaya, the principal guru is Madhvacharya. Raman, then Sri Sampradaya is Ramanuja, Rudra Sampradaya is Vishnu Swami, and in the Kumara Sampradaya it's Nimbarka. All these four acharyas have come from South India. Shankaracharya also came from South India, but his uh, Sampradaya is not a Vaishnava Sampradaya. That's a separate history behind that mention of Shiva Purana. Lord Chaitanya officially appeared in the Madhva Acharya Sampradaya, but actually Lord Chaitanya took the essence from all the Vaishnava Sampradayas. His philosophy is a synthesis of the essence of all. The Madhva Philosophy is a type of progressive realization. He left the door open that you can go on realizing more and go deeper. So there's no contradiction. Moreover, he kept the, the basic tenets of Madhva also. So we can discuss this is a big topic. Uh, our Pandit Atma Tattva Das Prabhu in uh, Mayapur, he gave a seminar for 10 days on the four sampradayas. You have the philosophies of Vishishta Dvaita, Dvaita, Dvaita Dvaita, and uh, the Sudha Dvaita, which are all basically against the Advaita philosophy, or the non-different one. So you can go on a very high level discussing right philosophically the finer differences. Lord Chaitanya's philosophy is Achintya Veda Veda Tattva. Inconceivable, simultaneous oneness 
and differently. With other four sampradayas, pundits came and said, well, they approached uh, Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur in Vrindavan, that you have to, if you are claiming to have a, a better philosophy or a different philosophy than the other sampradayas, an improvement upon Madhva and other sampradaya, then you have to have your own commentary of the Vedanta Sutra. So Vishwanath Chakravarti or his disciple Balade Vidyabhusan was sent actually to discuss with them. That time he went to Jaipur where the Radha Govinda Deities were. And uh, he explained that the, for the Gaudiyas, the Srimad Bhagavatam is the natural commentary of the Vedanta Sutra. So we studied the Srimad Bhagavatam. But they didn't accept but still you have to have a Vedanta Sutra commentary. So Balade Vidyabhusan, he said, all right, I'll give you, you give me one week's time. And he went and closed the temple, went into the temple of Radha and Govinda, and he prayed to the Govinda Ji deity in order to protect the good name of our disciplic succession I have to have a commentary so Govindaji said I'll, I'll give you a commentary so Govinda personally spoke Valadevidivasam took dictation and wrote down Vedanta Sutra commentary and that's known as Govinda Bhashya When he came after one week, it's impossible to write a commentary of Vedanta Sutra in a week. You know what a Vedanta Sutra commentary is. For years you can't do it. In one week he came back with the entire manuscript of the Vedanta Sutra commentary, presented it before the king and the pundits. And after that they couldn't defeat his... Uh, Arguments. There are very subtle points. Just as an overview, the Sri Sampradaya accepts that Vishnu and Narayana is supreme. And they consider Krishna to be one of Narayana's forms. But they consider that to be like a subordinate Leela form. The Lord Chaitanya He's, he taught that Krishna is the original form. Narayana is the expansion of Krishna. Madhva, he accepted Krishna as the Supreme Personality of Godhead. That the deity in Ramanuja Sampradaya, the deity is considered to be Archa Avatar form of Krishna, form of divine form and devotees are also worshipped. Devotees are the, are the process of deity worship is very prominent. 
madhvas, each one has slight different concentration, but all of them are considered to be transcendental. They all accept Vishnu or Krishna as the Supreme. So for us there's a slight difference. We can accept the prasadam from any of the Vaishnavas, from these four sampradayas. But with them, of course, when we discuss them, only in Lord Chaitanya's and uh, to some extent in Barka do they have the complete understanding of Krishna's personality. The Balabhacharya, Sampradaya coming from Vishnu Swami, they do pushti mark, they accept Krishna as a child. You should worship parents, the family members should worship a deity of Krishna, Bal Gopal, like one of the children in the house of Pushti, Margan, worship. But when Krishna grows up and does the Raslila, they don't know how to explain that. So they avoid, they say, well, Krishna is transcendental up to in his childhood. But when he gets older, then they don't know what to say. So they just kind of avoid it. The Lord Chaitanya explains the full pastimes of Krishna. So when he was staying in Tamil Nadu at uh, Sri Rangam, the Sri Ranganath temple, he was staying in the house of the head priest for four months, Chaturmasya. That time, he would be chanting Hare Krishna and going every day for darshan of the Ranganath temple. So the priest of the temple, they said, why are you chanting Hare Krishna? You should chant Um Namo Narayanaya. You should chant Narayan's name. Lord Chaitanya said, you should chant Krishna's name. I said, no, but Narayan is supreme. You should chant Narayan's name. So Lord Chaitanya said, well, if Narayan is supreme, I have a question to ask you. Why is it that Lakshmi, the consort of Narayana, why was she doing tapasya in order to enter the Ras Lila of Krishna? In the Puranas it's mentioned that Lakshmi was doing tapasyas and meditation, austerities, fasting, to get the blessing from Krishna to go to the Ras Lila. So being the consort of Narayana, she'll be, Narayana is supreme, she'll be complete. Or if she wants, she can go. She doesn't have to take anyone's permission. But she's uh, doing tapasya and trying to get permission. So that how she can be the supreme, how Narayana is the supreme. Then Lord Chaitanya further asked them, alright, apart from that, why is it Lakshmi was not permitted to go to Rastita? Even she did all the austerity to go, but still she was not allowed. So like this, in a more friendly way, we discussed with the other Vaishnava Sampradaya, Lord Chaitanya in this way, the priest didn't know what to say. So we don't disturb, because these are all different forms of Krishna. One is majestic form, we understand Krishna, Radha Krishna is Madhurya. They're the sweet form. Just like Jagannath is known as Aishwarya, he is very opulent form. Krishna and Dwarka. 
The Lord Chaitanya is Adurya, merciful form. So Narayana is also opulent form in Vaikuntha. So Narayana is worshipped with awe and reverence. So there's five rasas to worship Krishna. Madhurya, Vatsalya, Sakya, Dasyam, and Santa. So Narayana is worshipped with Santa rasa and Dasya rasa. And a little bit Sakya with respect. Mainly Santa and Dasya. But in Vrindavan, this awe and reverence is not existent. In Vrindavan, this is a picture of Vrindavan, so many pictures of Vrindavan. There the devotees of Krishna, they are seeing Krishna as the equal. Jasoda is thinking, if I don't feed Krishna, he'll go hungry, he'll starve. The coward boys think that Krishna is just one of us. They all love Krishna. And for Krishna, they don't think that Krishna is God. It's not that they love Krishna because of his uh, position. Recently in the newspaper came out one of these famous pop singers was saying how she's looking for the perfect, the right man in her life or something like that. I don't know. It's so difficult to find. How will I know whether that person will love me for myself or because of my fame and my money and all this. All rich people in this modern world, they're very much worried about this. They're getting married, divorced, married, divorced so many times. They're having no peace. But they're always worried, well, whether the person likes me for or because of my fame and my money. But see, Krishna being all-powerful, he arranges things. Those who are his true devotee, they go to the special part of the spiritual world known as Golok Vrindavan, where nobody thinks that Krishna is God. Although he is the supreme Godhead. They are only thinking Krishna is my friend, he is my, my, uh, my lover, my husband, or he is my son. They don't, the idea that Krishna is God doesn't stick to their mind. But in Vaikuntha part of the spiritual world, then everyone knows Narayan is the Supreme Lord. So Prabhupada explained it's like you go to the high court, there's a judge sitting there. You offer all respect. My Lord, everyone stands up when he comes in. So that's one aspect of the judge's life. But there's another aspect when he's at home with the wife and the children. Children are playing. Wife is bringing the Prashadam, whatever, refreshment. There's a different atmosphere totally than what you find in the court. So the same, you know, these are two aspects of the same person. There's only one God, but His majestic Rupa. We call it that Krishna, Bhagavan, has an Rupa. His majestic form is Narayana. And His intimate form is Krishna. So what is the real person? Where do you get to know the person better? In the court or when you go to speak to him in his chamber or in his house? Let's consider the informal form is the more complete form. But you cannot, so the formal form is a, a part. 
There's also an aspect. But of the two, the informal is more important. There's the original. So different sambhadayas or Vaishnavas have different realization of these different forms of Krishna. But they all know that the form of Bhagavan is Vishnu is supreme. That way we're not in conflict. Amongst them, however, you're trying to establish in the world that people understand that Krishna's actual position he is the Ishwaraha Paramaha Krishna Sachirananda Adi Adi Govinda Sarvakaranaka. He is the original cause of all causes. The others don't have such a clear idea about the different forms of Narayana. If you read teachings of Lord Chaitanya, these expansions of Krishna are very clearly mentioned. Just last week, Atmatatrabhu went to Valkot, talked with one of the head Ramanuja Sampradaya Pandits, and he showed how all these slokas were mentioned, how the Lord is expanding. He said, you know, I'm hearing this for the first time. I didn't know these things even were in the Veda. It's very interesting. We don't know these things. You see, other sampradayas, mainly they had to, Ramanuja, Madhva, they had to deal with Shankaracharya. They had to deal with the Advaita philosophy, how to get people out of impersonal philosophy to the personal. In the impersonal, you don't understand the supreme nature of the form of God. You think everything is one. There's just the light, and from the light is coming this uh, form of God. But by this process, you cannot practice bhakti. This is a very, this is not a, at all logical philosophy. So there, others, uh, Vaishnavas, Acharyas, very thoroughly defeated Advaita Vad. But already when Lord Chaitanya came, was already they had done that activity. So he didn't concentrate on defeating Advaita Vad, but on establishing what is the actual position of Krishna and the different forms of Krishna's expansion. How to realize Krishna in this form. Just in a nutshell, it's a very complicated question. Hopefully this will shed a little light on it. You want to go deeper into it? Then? There's also a series of tapes. Bhagavatam to the seminars he gave on the four Vaishnava Sampradaya. About six or eight tapes. If you listen to that, then you'll get the detailed, exact, what is Vishistha Dvaita, what is Sudha Dvaita, what is Dvaita, you can go into the deep. It requires some philosophical interest on in that level. It's a more of a postgraduate study. Uh, yes. Part of this also another aspect of the living entity. Living entity is part of Krishna. 
So just as Krishna is independent, he can do whatever he wants. So also, Krishna gave his part and parcel jiva, living entities, that same independence in a very minute quantity. So, if you give independence, people can misuse it or use it properly. So, we don't have the complete knowledge. We are always a small. We are 50 out of 64 of the qualities of Krishna in a small quantity, the jiva can develop. So even in the liberated state, we are having some limited knowledge compared to Krishna. Krishna doesn't fall under the control of Maya. He's always the controller. We are being small. We need to be under the shelter of the spiritual energy. If not, we come under the shelter of the material energy. Each, so somehow an exercise of our individual independence, we chosen or desired to do something which cannot be accommodated in the spiritual world. So we are given opportunity of having a material body and to exercise our independence here. Krishna will be more pleased if voluntarily we decide to come back to him and serve him as a healthy part of if Krishna didn't give us the independence and there would be no meaning to bhakti. Isn't it? If there's no free choice, then what is the question of love? He has to give us the freedom to choose or not to choose. Otherwise we'll be all zombies, robots. We are individual part and parcel, so we have that independence also. We can choose to love Krishna or we can choose to avoid Krishna. So Krishna has given it an alternative. You don't want to avoid me here. I come in the material world. There's, you don't have to be conscious of God here. In the spiritual world, you cannot avoid Krishna. He's all, it's very obvious everywhere. But here, if you want, you can forget about Krishna. This is the world of forgetfulness. But also, if you want to go back to Krishna, as a human being, you can go back to Krishna. You can reawaken that original consciousness and reestablish your relationship with Krishna again. Remember it and go back to Krishna. We shouldn't be too preoccupied how we got here because we really won't be able to fully comprehend from our present material intelligence is not ample enough to understand something beyond its comprehension, which is what is the spiritual world. How can you have all knowledge at the same time, be given independence and then make a mistake or be able to at some stage in our existence choose to come here. Meaning? 
Prabhu means master. We call every initiated devotee as Prabhu, meaning master, because we know that if we serve a, a initiated devotee of Krishna, that will also be pleasing to Krishna. So we respect the them as also worthy of our service, so therefore we call them Prabhu. But in Mahaprabhu, you would call anyone a Mahaprabhu. Mahaprabhu especially is for some pretty great, especially for the Lord. The Lord is the, the great master. So Lord Chaitanya, Lord Nityananda, they are known as Mahaprabhu. When we're not Krishna conscious, when we're not God conscious, we're in this material world, we're eternally conditioned. When you become God conscious, you're eternally liberated. No, by eternally conditioned means you can stay in this material world eternally, perpetually. It's not that by doing so many karmas in the material world that you automatically get freedom. You can go on staying here. Doing your good karmas, bad karmas, going on birth after birth, punar janma, forever. Material worlds will be created, destroyed, created, destroyed. You come again every time you come back. It's not that like a prison house, you're given a time. You be here for so many years, and then you're automatically you're released. You're here indefinitely. So that's why it's called mitya, indefinite. Doesn't mean that. It means that. You can go on with material, as long as you're acting in the material world, you don't get liberation. You have to act in spiritual life in order to get liberation. If you act in Krishna consciousness, once you achieve liberation, there's not that if you're liberated you have to fall down again. Rather, Krishna explains. That even you in this material world you go up to Brahmaloka again you have to come down. But those who come to me, Mahapated Kuntaya, Purajan Manavidya, Apnuvanti Mahatmana, Sansidhin Paramangata. Those who achieve me, they never come back again. Once you somehow come to this world, you go back to the spiritual world. Once you're burned, you don't put your hand again in the fire. You don't make the same mistake again. Once you go back, you learn your lesson, you don't come here again. That's Krishna. We don't, how we'll know that? Only Krishna can tell us. He's saying that. They don't come back again. Once going there, they don't come back. Same question, you're going again. I told you, you'll, not, you'll never understand it. Whatever I said is all that can be said on this subject. It's beyond your ability to understand. Because how you understand, you don't know what the spiritual world is. You're trying in this conditioned state to understand something which is beyond your ability to understand. Which is, see, we're not being dogmatic. There's, we have to know what is a limitation. Just like you're sitting here and 
Muscat. Now, when you're in India, you tell people what Muscat. People even in India cannot understand what Muscat is until they get here. You're sitting in Muscat. If I, if you've never been to America or France or some other, but even if I tried to explain so many things, once you go there, you'll see whatever your idea was is different once you go there. Huh? This is just from our own limited, very crude example in this material world. What can we say? Here is the material world where we are in a duality. We are the eternal soul, but we are seeing everything through the material mind, through the material intelligence, through the material senses. In the spiritual world, there is no material mind, there is no material sense, there is no material at all. Everything is living energy. There is no time factor. How we can understand from this point of vision, what is this in the spiritual world? What is that freedom? What is the misuse of freedom? Every individual is here for a different reason. Your reason you're here may not be the lifeboat, come back on the ship, then you'll see, or we will discuss it, no problem. So anybody, they'll first get back on the ship, then after that they'll figure out what happened, how I fell off. So right now we're drowning in this water of birth and death, in the samsara. We have to get back to the spiritual world. Then we'll automatically know how we fell down, what was the situation before. Categorically, I can tell you. Individually, there may be so many different reasons. Gorpurnima festival in Mayapur again. This year, because of the Gulf, so few less Americans came. We were worried that our festival would be a, a compromise, but actually more people came from Eastern Europe and Europe. Many people came from Europe this year, last year. We had Czechoslovakians and Hungarians and so many Eastern Europeans and other Australians and Japanese and Chinese, everyone came. So we had a very big festival. After the festival we had a Namhata festival. Where a thousand man, uh, of our Namhata preachers, those who are living in their home and they're spreading Krishna consciousness uh, from the home. We have in India thousands of Namhata groups, something like what we have here. And here maybe, you know, all very highly educated people. There we may have some groups that are more educated, some are very rustic, very simple. So they gather together. Once here we have a big seminar in Mayapur. Also, now in Europe, this Namhata movement is spreading a lot as a part of Kiskan's uh, preaching. A lot of uh, persons who are living in their home, they're also facing the nectar of spreading Krishna consciousness. See, if we do our personal devotion, we get our personal the benefit. But when you help others to be also God-conscious, then you get a double blessing. Your own practice you're getting, plus whatever the other person is doing who you're helping, you also get the full benefit from that. So in this way, this way Namahata is called marketplace of the holy name. It's a kind of spiritual market. In the material market, say I had I had here one bowl of sweets, right? So I gave out so many sweets I only have three left. 
There's many, if I give out these, I have nothing left, right? But in the spiritual market, you've got so much devotion, you give the devotion to someone else, your devotion doesn't reduce. When that person increases, you also increases. So, is a birth. For business, if you can understand about the business, this is a very good. You're getting interest, you're giving out to goods, but your own uh, stock is also increasing. Simultaneously, it doesn't decrease. So, normally just the Sabramacharis, they're getting all the mercy, they're giving books, they're distributing full time. Uh, they're doing, able to preach full time. But now through the Namhata programs, the devotees uh, who are living in their homes, and doing some occupation, they're also part, they're also able to preach sometime. And by that preaching, they're able to get the special mercy of Lord Chaitanya. So recently in Poland, there's about 60 Namhata started. And about 350 people came and had a Namhata conference. And I was also at the Rathyatra in London on July 7th. And there they had a, 30 Namhata groups and they did a Rathyatra procession through London from Hyde Park to Balsia Park. It was very nice. Festival also they had the drama, music, prasadam. And the Namhata devotees are manning different booths, cooking prasadam, giving. Lord Chaitanya, he was also Grihastha for 24 years, Nityananda. When he took sannyas and he said, I don't want to get the wrong idea that he had to take sannyas in order to practice Krishna consciousness. So he told Nityananda, who was a lifelong brahmachari, you get married. You can show people how to be Krishna conscious as a grihastha. So Nityananda had two children, he got married, he had one boy and one girl. He continued preaching with many other uh, householders. So I've been asked also to advise them in North America when I visit there about congregational preaching. So I went on a, I was in India. From here, I, of course, I went for a very brief tour of America, went to Australia, and then came back to Malaysia to our Rathyatra in uh, January 13th in Madras. Came back up to Mayapur for the BBC. And the Bangalore Rathyatra was right after that. Then I came uh, to Mayapur Festival, Namhata Festival. We were touring different parts of India preaching. Bangladesh, Nepal. <coughs> then in the month of, uh, end of April, May, June, about two and a half months, was on an extended tour, went to Europe, to Germany, Switzerland, mm-hmm. Italy, to America, Canada, South America, to, to Colombia, Ecuador, Peru, Bolivia, Argentina, Chile, and Brazil. Came back to America, we had some more meetings and we had a big festival in Atlanta called Panihati Festival where hundreds of devotees came. 2,000 uh, guests came with Festival of India, declared Festival of India days by the mayor of Atlanta, Mr. Malcolm. Then uh, it was time to return back to India, so I went via London and uh, Poland caught the uh, end of their Namhata festival, and then came to Calcutta for Rathyatra. We had about 600,000 people or so attending the Rathyatra this day, this year in Calcutta. Also, they had a smaller Rath in uh, Siliguri. 
just after the Rathyatra was over, I spent a few days in Mayapur. It was time to go. There was a Rathyatra organized in Hyderabad on Guru Purnima. This is last Purnima, just uh, four or five days ago, the 26th of uh, July. So the previous uh, chief minister, Chanaradi, he swept the road and inaugurated the Ratham. And for 12 kilometers, he went from Secunderabad to Hyderabad. The first Ratyatra of this nature is a gigantic 48-foot-high Ratham, which goes up and down under the wires. So I don't know if you're acquainted with Hyderabad, but it was a very well-attended uh, festival. Thousands of people saw they never saw such a big ratham, they didn't know what to do, but then they started coming and pulling the ratham spontaneously. Some sophisticated people saw, but they understood. Some amongst them ran out, giving up their inhibition, and just pulled the rat for a few feet, paid their obeisances. Some people, they came the whole way, from kilometers and kilometers, pulling the ratham. Chanting Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama. We started at one o'clock, we didn't reach till midnight. It was a very long route. But also there was some mechanical difficulty because of the first year, which uh, we had to adjust a few things. So, next day, Emma Malini yeah, gave a dance drama with her troupe, um, Mira. So before that, we had our full Iskand preaching program, lectures from Gita, Bhajan, Kirtan. Then the governor came and we had an inaugural ceremony. The governor praised uh, Krishna consciousness and Prabhupada, saying that the challenge to see that the people of India and the world maintain their spiritual um, get their spiritual development. Is uh, on his guy's head. So we're looking to them to take care of the spirituality of society. And then other dignitaries also spoke, and then the cultural function was there. So from Hyderabad, I went uh, to Bangalore, where they've, uh, we have a puja at the special muhurtam. After 12 years, this muhurtam comes, and so. We did an installation of anantasation to the yajna and put the anantasation in the ground during the puja or the temple. So now they're going to start, the, they've already started the temple construction. Slowly but surely. So from there I came to Bombay, there's some Work had to be done with the school there. And uh, since I was in going to Bombay, I hadn't planned to go to Bombay earlier, but it was some emergency. So that's why I thought that since I'm going to be in Bombay, it's a good opportunity to come over to the Gulf to see uh, the devotees here in Muscat and Bahrain. Otherwise, this rainy season is very tight for me because I have to see many temples in a short uh, period before, again I have to go after Janmashtami, I have to go to the west for a brief uh, t- tour, 
because they're having uh, some meetings there which I have to attend. So in the winter, in November, December, January, I get more time. Now I have only limited time. So that's why it's a bit of a rush too. I was supposed to come yesterday, but they compelled me to stay one day longer in Bombay to solve their problem. This year I was elected at the Gorpurnima festival as there's a governing body of ISKCON with 30 members. And every year they elect new officers. So this year I was elected the secretary of the governing body. There's three officers, secretary, vice chairman, and chairman, who have to, during the year, act as the executive body to see that the things are going according to the resolutions which were previously passed. So this involves visiting certain places and helping to solve problems that come up with the local people are not able to handle. So that's why this year I had to go various places, which means I had to, my time in my own areas where I normally go is even more limited. But since I saw you last, this is basically some of the highlights. 